Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Retro Recall the PS1 Chronicles, a show where we play and rank every PlayStation game ever created. My name is Jimmy, and as always, I'm here with Mike. Hello. So a little something different this week. You know, with uh, all the hype around Final Fantasy Rebirth coming out, figured something in the Final Fantasy universe would be fun. And we don't really have the time right now to play a full-on RPG. No, not at all. At least not give it our full attention. Yeah, with the amount of work we put into a game, it's... I think for an RPG, we need a little bit longer just to put even more time to meet like the bare minimum of the game. <laughs> oh, I agree. Like I, I feel like we need to play at least two to three times what we're playing now for an RPG. Because like some games don't even get good till like what ten hours in or something stupid like that. <laughs> you know, like Persona, where it's like ten hours, then you're done with the tutorial. I was gonna say that was where I was gonna go with that too, wouldn't. Uh, playing Persona for the first time, I'm like, is this the entire game of me just sitting here watching all this? Because this is going on for a very long time before actually getting into the game. I mean, I'm not even joking. I think it is literally like at least five or six hours. Uh, Yeah, I think Persona 4 is uh, five-ish, five and a half hours. Crazy. Love the game, though. Oh, yeah. I I wouldn't complain at all. Yeah. uh, So do you have any experience with Final Fantasy at all? So the biggest thing with... Final Fantasy is that I saw some, one of my friends or cousins play it a long, long, long time ago. I can't even tell you which Final Fantasy it was. And I was never a fan of the turn-based fighting system as a kid. I To this day, I'm still not 100% on board with it. Um, so whenever I saw this person playing it and saw that it was turn-based, I just immediately put it off right there. And then I never really played it or saw any more of it. The only thing I've seen is the movie for Final Fantasy. Yeah, we talked about that in another episode. Yeah. And that's about it. I don't have any knowledge. I don't know what people's names are. I just know there's a guy with a giant sword, I think. And that's about it. Wow. All right. Um, So I had a similar experience to you, actually. When I was a kid, I remember going over a friend's house and they were playing Final Fantasy VII. I was like, what? What is this? (laughs) Because I had never really been exposed to any RPGs. I still never played it. Took me a while to get into them on my own. I would say, I mean, like, if you want to count Pokemon, that would be some of my earliest RPG memories. But, like, the first actual Final Fantasy game I played was 15. Oh, geez. I mean, go back, I would consider Pokemon an RPG. And, it again, it does have the turn-based system, too. So, I can only play that in small doses before I get tired of it. Well, Final Fantasy 15 is an action game. It's not turn-based. Same thing with 16. And... 16 was probably one of my favorite games I played last year. Like, I really, really liked it. Was one of them the one with the car? I I remember there being like a car meme or something. Yeah, that's 15. Oh, okay. But I I do remember whenever it was announced with the whole free roam fighting, where I was instantly on board. I was like, okay, this might be the first game I play of Final Fantasy because of that. Yeah, and I mean, like, that one still has some sort of like, it's not turn-based, but it has more menus and stuff going on. Whereas... 16 is just a full-on action game. It's like nothing turn-based whatsoever. It's barely even an RPG, really. And I say that I hate turn-based fighting, but then we talk about Persona. I'm like, oh, I love that game. And Persona has turn-based fighting. I don't know what it is about Persona. They do something right with it, and I don't know what it is that it just feels nice. I just think it's the vibes in the presentation, honestly. Probably. Because I never had a problem with that the entire time playing that game. I'm not the biggest fan of turn-based either. Like, I'll do it. Like, I'll play a game that's turn-based and I won't be mad about it. But, like, 
I always prefer a game with real-time combat, no matter what. That's interesting. I didn't actually know that. I thought you liked turn-based games. So. I mean, I think it's fine. Like, I'm not like, oh, yeah, turn-based. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like, if a game is turn-based and I'm going to play it, like, I'll play it. I'm not going to just, like, not play a game because of it. But if I have a choice, it's always going to be the other way around. Yeah, and especially back in the day, that's just what that was just the system for RPGs. So it wasn't until, I mean, relatively recently where they said, hey, we can actually do this as live fighting instead of having to do turn based. Yeah. I mean, there's always been action RPGs too, but like it seemed like in the 90s, turn based was the way. Yeah. And even to this day, we see games coming out with turn based style fighting. So it's never going to go away. It's a, it's an aesthetic that people love. And I see that. I don't know. I, I, and I, don't, I can't even give you a reason to why I hate turn-based fighting. I don't have a logical reason to why I don't like it. I just don't, and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we got on this tangent so far. But anyway, what, what I was going to bring up with this Final Fantasy conversation was, you know, we're going to be playing a spinoff game that is still going, I think, to this day. I believe you're right, yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to see your Final Fantasy knowledge because this game pretends like you know everything. I, I kind of thought it would be considering it's a spinoff of, oh, yeah, whenever we say this word, you're going to know what that means. And I'm just staring blankly at the screen like, I have no clue what this is. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into that more later. But uh, yeah, so this is a fan-translated game. It didn't come out in America or Europe. So do you have any experience playing fan translations other than the one we played together, which was Police Knots? Uh, no, that was the only one I've ever played. The first time I've ever played one too, so which is nice. It's it's a cool thing that people will go out of their way to make a translated game. Yeah, I mean, I've actually never played another one either. I was trying to think about it, and it's one of those things where it really interests me. And I like, I see all these games that I could play, and I'm like, yeah, that would be really cool. But then I never actually do. It's just it's cool that we're getting these games that we would have never been able to play otherwise unless we decided to learn Japanese. You know? Oh, hundred percent. And if this person or people, I don't know if it was a team or just one guy, decided, hey, I'm going to translate this so other people can enjoy it, we still wouldn't be able to play it. So, Yeah, before we get into the game, I did have one thing I wanted to bring up. I, uh, I started a new game this week, had a little extra time, so I got Game Pass, and I started playing Lies of P. Oh, you're on that now. The amount of people I've heard talking about that game, uh, what do you think of it so far? I was really nervous to play it because it's apparently it's more along the lines of like Bloodborne and like Sekiro where there's a lot more parrying and stuff like that, which I hate parrying in a game. I hate it so fucking much, but turns out uh, my concerns were not true and you can kind of play the game however you want. Oh, and the parrying is pretty forgiving. I've actually found myself nailing it many, many times. So I'm about three hours into it. It is very, very good. Yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's pretty much, if I correct me if I'm wrong, it's a Souls game, but with Pinocchio, more or less. Yes. Which is such a fascinating topic, or fascinating like crossover of games, I think. Yeah, I mean, dude, Jiminy Cricket's in it. Like He's like with you the whole time talking to you. They call him Jiminy, not Jiminy. I guess that's the real name for him. One of the first things you do in the game is you have to go find Geppetto, you know, the guy that created Pinocchio. It's just, it's very cool. I didn't think I would like it, <laughs> but it, it is sick. Yeah. And like the gameplay is just so good that like it's undeniable. You know what I mean? I've seen just a little bit of gameplay 
of it from one of the streamers I watch sometimes. I didn't make it that far, but just from what I saw, I'm like, graphically, it looks amazing. Gameplay-wise, looks very smooth and fun. And just the concept overall is something new that we haven't really seen before. Yeah, I mean, I will say you would absolutely hate it if you try to play it. Why? Just because of the difficulty? It's it's just so fucking hard. Uh, one of these days, we need to get into it where I, I just start one of the Dark Souls games. Just be like, you tell me which one's the best one to start with. I want to play it and just see how I enjoy it blind. I think a fun idea for like a stream or something that we could do, or even just a video, is like you playing Dark Souls with me there with you, like talking to you <laughs> while you're playing, like trying to guide you. Guide me. I, I imagine that you're just going to be like mocking me the entire time and making fun of me for what I do. <laughs> well, I actually tried this with my girlfriend because I wanted to make her try it. This is years <laughs> ago, but... It worked pretty well. When you have someone telling you what to do and how to do it, it's really not as hard as you think. It's like a like a coach outside of the boxing ring. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it was, yeah. But uh, yeah, I really like Liza P. You know, I, I'm definitely going to keep playing it and I will update you as I get through the game. Yeah, I can't wait to hear the uh, progression on it because one of my friends, I think, has beat it three times now and I know pretty much a lot of it. And... So he's like, because I told him, I'm fine with spoilers. I'm not going to play it anytime soon. So he just tell me. So he's, there's a lot of interesting things I can't wait for you to get to. All right. Well, this segment kind of went a little long. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into the game. Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon was released on December 23rd, 1997, and it was developed and published by Square. I would call this kind of a roguelite. It's not super intense or anything as far as roguelites go, but that is what I would call it. Sure, I'll go with you on that one because I've never played a roguelike or a roguelite game ever. So Really? Yeah, this is my very first experience playing it. <laughs> That's fucked up, dude. How? I I just never came across the game that was this style or genre at all. I'm just biased because, you know, Isaac is my favorite game and that's a roguelite. And I've played so many of them. Like, they're releasing roguelites of, like, everything you can think of now. So, like, there's just so many options. And because of, like, how much you talk about it, I and some of the streamers I watch have played it recently that I told you about. Watching that and some videos you've sent me and you always talk about, I'm like, I think I might be buying Isaac at some point because this looks like fun. It's the best game ever made. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, <laughs> this game, it's a roguelite in the way that it's randomly generated. You know, you're exploring these dungeons, collecting items, you know, upgrading your stuff, going back to the surface, selling stuff. It's, it's a pretty straightforward loop for the game. Yeah, I was going to say, just that description alone was the full loop of the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not really that much to say about the gameplay other than that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this game, so I'll let you start off. You know, just some general thoughts. Uh, well, so the very beginning of the game, you get this very cool cinematic that kind of like gets the story going. Uh, I think, I could be wrong, but I think these are the best 3D graphics we've seen for cinematics in a video game so far. I would agree with that. It looks really good. It does. And I was having a lot of high hopes going into the game, but then the graphics kind of degrade a bit. Not bad. They still look good. But comparing from the cinematics to the gameplay, I, I wish we had the cinematics uh, graphics in the gameplay as well. But it's not like a negative thing. But 
the whole story with it is you're this chocobo, which if you don't know what that is, that's the yellow bird. That's I think that's the only character I knew of Final Fantasy was the chocobo. Yeah, I mean, the chocobo is not like a character. It's like a species. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're not you're not like a character. Chocobo are just like chicken. Oh, you know what I mean? Okay, that makes sense. So like in Final Fantasy 16 and 15, like they are bigger and you ride them. Like they kind of look like a mix between a chicken and an ostrich. Mm. Whereas in these ones, the older ones, they look more straightforward like a chicken. Okay. Well, and then with that, yeah, you have a character uh, riding the chocobo. And then they're running through a farm and then some farmer digs up this mystery gem thing that turns them evil is what I'm gathering with the story. Yeah, I guess. I I never really saw any more of that. Oh, you didn't watch the entire thing? No, I meant like in the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the first thing they allude to. And then I imagine you have to just play the entire way through the game to get the entire story of it. Because that's the only sequence where they give you story. Then you just play the game from there. Instantly, whenever I jumped in, I loved the music. It was just upbeat. It was fun. To a certain degree, when you start playing, it just starts repeating over and over again, which I didn't like that. That's what I was going to say. Like, I like the music, but like by the time I was done playing this, I had had enough of it. I played for about three hours, by the way. Yeah, that's about what I did too. I don't know. We could probably get into this later, but what floor did you end up? What's the highest level floor you made it to? Uh, I want to say 19 or 20. Oh, wow. Okay. I made it to 17. And and that's a big thing too. If you never played this game, I doubt you would have. It's like uh, Diablo, where you have to find the stairs to go down one more level. You just keep going down. And then when you come back up to the service, the only way to get to the service, which I found out the hard way, is you have to use the teleport card or die. Those are your only two options. Well, I kind of figured that because in the tutorial, they show the Moogle using a teleport card. Oh, I probably missed that part of the cinematic then. <laughs> yeah, when you first get thrown down in there, uh, after you go to the, the inn for the first time, they're giving you that like light tutorial and the and the uh, the Moogle is like using different items. It uses the teleport card, then it takes you back to the surface. That's how I figured it out. Well, and it's not like it... I had a teleport card. I knew what it kind of did, but I thought there may be a secondary way to get to the surface without having to waste the card. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. So I kept trying to find an alternative method because I'm like, well, this is good to have. I want to hold on to this, but I want to not use it. So, But we're getting very far into this already. Yeah, I mean, so you just kind of go through the dungeon and you go until you can't go anymore and the enemies start getting too tough and then you just use a card or die and go back to the surface and then start again. Yep, and that's where you can start storing stuff, you can sell stuff. So on the surface world, you have all these different buildings. One's a shop where you can buy, sell stuff. The other's a storage building. There's the building with the foxes. I don't know what they do. Yeah, I mean, most of the buildings are just like useless. Well, there, there's the one guy with the machine shop or whatever. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I looked it up and I, I guess you're supposed to give him oil. Oh, you never got that figured out? No. So I randomly happened to stumble upon that whenever I was going through one of the dungeons. I got like two oil cards and all this stuff but my inventory is maxed out. So I went back up to the surface and I went to, what's her name? Atla. Uh, I went to Atla, which is the Moogle creature. Real quick, I thought the Moogle was a total asshole most of the time. Like a lot of the dialogue, <laughs> I was like, geez. Atla's only worried about money and like finding these treasures and that's about it. Yeah, just like ruthless. <laughs> yeah. So Atla can hold 
10 items for you. So I went to them and I was like, hey, I want you to hold this item. But when you went to the dialogue, they were like, oh, you found the oil card or you have oil. I think the person next door needed that. So it was just by sure luck that I went and talked, trying to get my stuff into the storage. And then I went over and then he was like, oh, what's that card? And then he fixes his machine for you. What did that machine do? It works like the uh, furnace in the dungeons. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Where you just pick two items and it will fuse the two items together, but it costs 500 gold to use it. Well, I mean, having that on demand, I feel like is worth it. Yeah. The one thing I found out quickly as well is I, because the first time whenever you fix his machine, he lets you grab or do something for free for the first time because, oh, thank you, you helped me. So the second time, I wanted to see how much it would cost to actually do the fusion thing. And whenever I went, I had a teleport card on me and he's like, oh, what's that card that you have there? And it brought up my menu and I wasn't allowed to back out of the menu. So I went to give him the map card and he's like, no, 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 not that one. What's the other one? I was like, oh, you bastard. I want the good shit. You're going to take my teleport card? Uh, so he took it and then he gave me teleport boxes, which the way that works is when you're in the dungeons, say you find this like really cool item or you're running out of space, you can put an item into the teleport box and it'll send it back up to your house automatically and clear it. That's great. Yeah. I was constantly running out of space in the dungeons. It fills up so fast. I was just dropping bottles and using potions all the time. <laughs> yeah. It was... The amount of items they give you per level is absurd with how much storage space you actually have. We got really deep into this really quick. So uh, what do you think of the combat? I loved it. You have that tiny bar underneath your character that when it fills up, that's your maximum attack. There was a way to exploit it. I don't know if you did that too. What do you mean? So you can run up to a guy and because your attack bar is shorter, you can get a, a max attack out out. But when his bar is about to fill up, you can run away. And then when you come back, it resets his timer and you can just hit him again, run away and just keep doing that until they die. That's a really good idea. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> One thing I did do was I would just sprint around to recover my health. Oh yeah, because walking heals your HP. So I would just like, if I had a particularly tough room, I would go back to the one before that or stay in the one I was just in and just run in circles till my HP was back in full. <laughs> which I love that that system of, oh, every time you walk, you're you're going to gain some HP, which I think was great to have. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you want to spend the time to do what I did, you can do that. Yeah, uh, and you also said we kind of got deep into this. This is going to be a very detail-oriented episode. There is so much going on in this game. I don't even know if we're going to cover it during this entire episode because of how much there is. I know, I know. So I guess I'll start with the whole magic system is kind of strange. And not so straightforward on how to use the magic system. So yeah, I was going to say... Uh, it took me a while before I actually used the magic. So what you're supposed to do is you get these books. You can go to a like a little lamp and read the book and it levels up your spell. Yes. Or you can just use the book while you're in combat and it's a spell. You know, there's like fire, blizzard, a couple of, you know, a bunch of other ones. The first time I tried one of the books, it didn't let me use it because I wasn't in combat. Mm. So for a few, maybe like an hour, hour and a half, I didn't use a single spell. Because I was like, okay, maybe I didn't unlock it yet. Maybe I'm not allowed to use it. So I just, every book I got, I was reading them. Yeah. And then I eventually was like, hold on a second. 
Like, there's got to be something I'm missing here. <laughs> so I watched the video, and I saw that you just have to use it when you're actually in combat. But the good thing was, at that point, all of my spells were, like, level 5. So Yeah, I want to say I did the same thing. And because there's no tutorial in this game, so you're kind of just figuring things out. Not for that, anyway. Yeah, you're figuring out a lot of this stuff on your own. Uh, so I remember walking up to a candle, and it just opening up my med- or my items. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Quickly learned about the reading a book there. But I had the same problem where I was randomly running around the dungeon and I would notice that it let me look at my book and I would click on read and it wouldn't do anything because I wasn't near a candle. Exactly. Yeah. So I was so confused. I'm like, it, I, it's, you said it took about an hour. I think it took me about two hours because it's the same thing as you. I'm like, there has to be a magic system and I don't know what the magic system is. And it's making me so angry. Even when I figured it out though, it's like, I feel like I use the magic as like a last resort. Like this enemy is too tough. Uh, yeah, I never... Well, because I use the evade way of fighting, I kind of just use some magic just for the sake of footage to show what it looked like. I never really noticed that it was like that detrimental to use. If there's a room with like two or three people in it, then yeah, use magic. You get to hit maybe all three of them and then it helps you a little bit. So the loop is kind of like you go as far as you can. You get to a floor where the enemies are just destroying you and then you're like, okay, time to go back. You know, go sell everything. Start again a little earlier. But when I would get to that point where the enemies were really hard, I would start using the spells a lot to try and like make it just one more level. Oh, okay. Because the really nice thing is when you go back after, you can choose what floor to go to. You don't have to start back at the beginning. I really like that too. I thought it was more of a you can only teleport to the floors you've used the teleport. No, it's like whatever you want. Which I I don't understand why you'd want to just go to a random floor because it's not like that floor will have the same things that it had the first time you were there. Well, so what I would do is like, let's say I get to level 15. It's too hard. So I go back, do all the stuff I have to do. Then I'll go back to like level 10 or level 12 and kind of work my way back to it. That way I'm getting stuff as I'm going. Oh, uh, okay. That makes sense. Because if I just go right back to where I was before, nothing is different, so I'll still get my ass kicked, you know? So what enemies did you find were the hardest or gave you the most trouble? At the very end, there were just like these like bigger dog, dragon-looking things. But for the most part, I would say the enemies that use spells really fucked me up a lot. The green eyeballs that are floating? Those and like the actual wizards that did like the lightning spells. I never got to see the wizard do their spell because... It was shortly after the green floating eyes that I realized, oh, I can run away and reset their timer. So anytime I came to the wizard, I would just hit him twice, run away, come back, hit him two more times. Uh, But yeah, those green floating eyeballs destroyed my HP. Yeah, I mean, it's strange because this game really isn't very hard, is it? No, not really. Every single room only has about one enemy. Sometimes you get two enemies in the same room. I think this game is just way too easy, honestly. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you made it to, what, level 20, you said? I think 19 or 20. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. So I looked it up. There's 30 floors total. So you were almost there to the end of the game. Yeah, there's multiple dungeons in this game, too. Oh, is there? There's another dungeon? I think there's three. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I really looked up was, I guess, when you get to the end of this dungeon, you save the guy who was who owns the shop. Because, you know, his his wife and his daughter are looking for him. And there are bosses at the end of the dungeons, too. Okay, so each dungeon has 30 floors. I don't know if they're all the same. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I kind of just went to a video on YouTube, kind of went to the very, very end just to see how many floors the guy was at whenever he beat the game. So yeah, okay, that's nice to know then. Yeah, I tried to find a walkthrough for this and there was literally one and it was useless. Oh boy, I tried looking up the manual. I tried looking up a walkthrough just just to get an understanding of maybe I'm missing some stuff. Uh, the manual, all in Japanese. Yep, I did the same thing. So luckily, there are some pages in the manual that was like, hey, hit square to do this. I'm like, okay, square does an action. I know that now. <laughs> Yeah, I found one English walkthrough on GameFAQs, but it was like formatted poorly, so it was really hard to read. I think I know the exact one you're looking at because I looked at that same one. <laughs> I started trying to look for stuff and I'm like, I can't do this right now, <laughs> you know? It was so hard to read that too. And it, it's, I don't know, it's, I'm looking at my list of like all the different things in this game and it's just overwhelming just to look at this list. The game is like secretly very complicated. <laughs> yeah. But like when you're playing it, it doesn't really feel that way. You know what I mean? I get that. A lot of it comes with like inventory management. The one thing that confused me a lot and I never really figured out was like fusing items. Which one? Because, okay, so there's two different ki ways to fuse your items. One was recycling and one was forging. So which one was confusing? So I did them both, but I didn't really understand what I was doing. I was just doing it. I know that you can fuse items like uh, armor or weapons to make them more powerful. I didn't really like know what I was doing when I was doing it. I just kind of would go there whenever I found one and I would just fuse whatever I had. Did you ever get anything better? Uh, I did one time. And then what was the rest of the times? The rest of the times it was either the same or worse. I think every single time I did it, it was worse. It was never a good outcome whenever I did the fusing. So I thought I was doing something wrong just like you. I just didn't really know what I was doing and like it's not like I was having a ton of trouble anyway, so I wasn't like worried about it. Like, you know, if you play an action game that's about upgrading your gear, there's always that worry where like, am I going to hit a point where I'm not powerful enough to continue? Usually when I would hit that point and I go back and do it again, I would either find something or I would get lucky or just I would find some way to become more powerful. You know, one thing I noticed with the inventory, and I don't know if you stumbled upon this too, of I had an item on me that I wasn't allowed to take off. Yeah, it's curse. Oh, is that what that is? There's a potion and there's buttons on the ground that will remove all of your equipment for I you. I found the button before and I used that to my advantage to get rid of it. Yeah, so like when you're equipping random stuff, you might equip something that's bad or worse than what you have. And then some of them are cursed, which means that you just can't take it off. And the cursed things have like a map symbol over the item and your items. I didn't notice that, but yeah. I noticed that it always popped up on things that I could never get rid of. Uh, so I found a potion that said, hey, get rid of cursed items. I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so, Yeah, I'll drink it, I guess. Yeah. Ah, oh, that makes so much sense. I'm mad now that I didn't know about that. Yeah, I mean, you also have to identify the items that you get. I do like that. Well, I, I like it in a way, but I don't like that there's random things that can happen to you that will undo all of it. Did that happen to you at all? Wait, it makes everything unknown again? Yes. No. Or if it did, I never noticed. What one? What button was it? Or was it a floor button? So there, you know how there's those, those symbols on the ground? Yeah, you're like sigils. So whenever you go over them as a random effect, one of them just reset everything for me. Honestly, it could have happened and I just never noticed. Well, you would have noticed because even the potions were unidentified again. Oh, okay. Then no, that never happened. Yeah, it was a huge bummer. I'll say that. <laughs> Which is weird because the first few sigils I've walked over 
every single time is like, oh, level up, oh, level up. I'm like, cool, these things are good. I know, me too. And then you get hit with a curse and you're like, damn it. Okay, they can be bad too. But then there was also the, did you find those chests that you have to use a book at? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I only got it to work like once or twice. I got one time. So you have to walk up to these chests, you have to use a book on it, and either A, you get an item, or B, it blows up in your face. I just feel like this game, like it's, just all this shit going on and like there's not really any way to understand it other than to just keep playing. Do you want me to go through the list of all the things in this game? I mean, you can. I, I figure we were just going to kind of say what we wanted to talk about. Okay, yeah. Because I, <laughs> we're just going to be jumping all over the place with this. You know what? Go ahead. Just send it. Go ahead. Sam, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it if there's anything to say and then we'll move on. Here's literally everything at least that I encountered in the game. If you encounter more, please add it to the list. But there are books, which you can read at the candles. You can read them in front of enemies to activate them. And you have to use them on the forging machines. So there's kind of three different ways to use these books that are kind of, you have to make that decision of, do I want to read this or do I want to use it on an enemy type thing? Before you go through a lot of this list too, I do want to say, I never felt like, I didn't have enough items. No, I felt like I had too many items. You're always finding books. You're always finding cards. Like, I had like six teleport cards. Oh, I never had that many. Oh, I have. A, I had a whole bunch that I would go store up top. I would always find at least one every run I did. But it's just the way you're talking about the books. It's like, it's almost like they wanted to give you that situation where you had to choose how to use them and be smart about it. But in reality, there's just so fucking many of them. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it, well... But just with how limited your inventory is, you have to say, okay, do I need to get rid of some of this stuff now because I need to pick up this thing to use? Well, the books do stack in your inventory, though. So you can have as many of one kind of a book as you find. They do, yeah. But when you're kind of running out of space <laughs> and you need potions and you need other stuff, it kind of gets difficult. Well, what I would typically do is I would pick the ones that I like or the ones that I have the highest level of, and then I would just keep those for use. And then whenever I needed to get rid of something in my inventory to free up space, I would go to like a lamp and read one of the ones I don't really use. Right. I, I was kind of doing that too. Yeah, you can continue. Uh, so there's recycling, which we talked about, which is you put two random items in and you get a new random item. Yeah, I never figured that out. I just, is it literally just completely random? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's just like, hey, if you combine A and B together, you get this. But if you combine A with C, you get this other thing. And I kind of think that's lame. I kind of feel like it should be like, you find like recipes or something. Recipes would have been nice. I did find that I kind of tested like, oh, I'm going to mix a potion with this other thing and I got a potion back. I'm like, all right, well, that was a waste of a recycle. I pretty much never did this. I did if I needed to get rid of some items and I was just curious on what I was going to get back. It was nice to see what you would get out of it. Yeah, I just didn't really feel like it was necessary at the end of the day. I get that. Uh, there's forging, which is recycling, but you can only do it with talons or saddles. It's essentially how you upgrade your equipment. Which we seem to be getting the worst upgrades ever whenever we used it. Uh, you have wells. If the well has water in it, you can fill the well up with uh, an empty bottle. But the well can run out, so you can't just unlimited, unlimitedly fill up bottles. Well, yeah, it's, it's only one use, right? No, I've had some that were three uses. Yeah, I guess you're right. I really only cared about the ones that were potions, though. One was a different thing I got from it. I didn't really care. Yeah. Then you have the wearables, which is your attack defense. Throwables, which is rocks, pearls, magasite. Did you ever see any pearls or magasite? Magasite? Yeah, I did. Oh, I never found any. 
Yeah, I found those and I found what I'm pretty sure is a summon. I found a summon as well. What was the summon you found? Uh, I think it was Ifrit. Yeah. Okay. You found the same one I found. Okay. That's good that you found that too because I was hoping I wasn't the only one. I never used any of the pearls or I used the pearl the first time I got it just to see what it looked like, but I never used the summon. I got the summon right at the end of my gameplay. Uh, so I did a, I went up to the surface, saved, then went back down into the dungeon to use it just to see what it looked like. Was it sick? Yeah, whenever you got the summon, was it in that like hell world, more or less? I don't remember. I found multiple summons. Oh, you found more than one? Yeah. Like of the same guy or? I think it was two different guys. Oh, wow. You got lucky with that then. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a look after we're done. And, and if I did, I'll make sure I capture it to show you. But Okay. Um, And then you have, we talked about sigils. You have your curses, which can just randomly pop up on the screen or randomly pop up in the sigil, or randomly pop up when you push a button. Most of the time, the curses happen to you when you walk over a trap on the ground. Yeah, and then, yeah, there's traps, trap buttons, which are smaller traps, and then your cards. Those are all the things. Yeah, I want to say the traps are fucking bullshit. It's so frustrating. Walking into a room, and then you walk back into that same room, and it's automatically there again. Like, it wasn't there the first time I walked over. Why is it there now? It's just like a weird, like... Haha, uh-huh. now you're hurt. As far as I know, there's no way to find it either. Uh oh, yeah, there is. So if you push R1, then your character will dig in the one space in front of them. And if there's a trap there, it uncovers the trap. Yeah, I did that. And sometimes you find like gold and stuff too. Oh, I never found gold with that method. Oh wait, maybe I did. I don't remember. But really, to find a trap though, you'd have to just like search randomly because there's no indicator that it's there. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to be diligent, you could check every single room of every block. You would be there for hours just getting through one level trying to find the traps. Just not worth it in any way. And then there's trap buttons. Same thing. They're just smaller pieces on the ground. So, Like what you said, some of them help you by removing your equipped items, which is good when you have a cursed item. Most of the time, the buttons are bad though. Yeah. There's that one that spun me around. Yeah, and then there's the one that like uh, clears out your map so you can't see the rest of the floor that you just uh, discovered. I was so annoyed every time I hit that button because like I would, I'd be done with the map and then I'd run over that and my map was back down to nothing. And you're like, what now? All right. Yep. And then another one makes you sleep, which is useful sometimes. Yeah. It's only annoying when an enemy is in the room and you touch the button. That's the biggest thing is if... Uh, I think it's meant to screw you over if there's an enemy, but I never really fully explored a room until the enemy was dead anyways. So I think it happened to me at least once where I like bumped it by accident and then I'm like, okay, I guess I'm taking a hit now. (laughs) Yeah. Same with the mud trap. Yeah, I mean, oh, you forgot one thing. There's your energy meter in the top right. Yeah, I realized that too. Yeah, there is a stamina meter as well, but what does that affect? So it never ran out for me, but I'm pretty sure when it runs out, like you die. Because you're like, that's like your energy. Oh. Well, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I got it down to about 50%. And it said, oh, you're feeling hungry. Oh, okay. I never even got it that low. There's a lot of things you find where it just like, there's those weird buttons on the wall, the red ones. Yes. And a lot of the time, those will just restore that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was a time I wasn't finding any of those. And luckily, I had food on me. So I just used that and it bumped it up a few percent. Oh, yeah. You didn't talk about all the nuts that you find either. Oh, yeah. Like I said, there is so much in this game that I even forgot half the stuff to put on the list (laughs) to talk about. 
But yeah, that, the nuts are pretty much for that, and they they heal you a little bit usually. But the only reason that triggered my thought was uh, the mud trap. When you're trying to escape it, it takes away a lot of your energy. Yes, it's it, your stamina lowers a lot trying to get out of those, and it pretty much just traps you there as enemies can walk up and hit you if they wanted to. I think okay. So after talking about all this, the best way to describe this game is they love RNG, but not in like a fun way. <laughs> There's just so much RNG going on with every single system that you touch in this game. It just is a lot and a little bit overwhelming. I said earlier that my my thoughts are complicated on this game. And like, even right now, I don't know what my score is. Like I I do what I usually do. I have like, a, you know, a range written down. But like, <laughs> I just, all this stuff going on, right? It is fun to play. It is a fun game to play. I did, I was not, having a bad time. But is the game just kind of boring? It's, that's the thing. I don't know off the top of my head. I was thinking about it more and it is kind of like Diablo if you think back on that game where you have to grind through a dungeon, save, come back, grind through a dungeon and it kind of is that same repeated process exactly like this. Just on a more advanced level, I would say. This is just a simplistic version of that where you just have to grind a lot. So I think uh, if this isn't your type of game, then yeah, it's going to be boring. But that's the thing though. This is my type of game. Kind of, but not really. I just feel like the fact that you're not finding meaningful upgrades a lot of the time, there's not that like that drip feed of like dopamine for you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The very first time I played, I had... I mean, I think it was like a wooden talon and whatnot. Then I died whenever I started. I think I reloaded my load game. And going back down into it, I instantly was finding like steel talons. So like my RNG was better that time and I was finding better items. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm destroying these enemies now because I didn't have that luck last time. It really just comes down to, I think your experience is just based on what the game decides to give you in that run. Yeah, I mean, I ended up getting, I want to say I had Steel Talons plus four. Oh, wow. I only had a plus one. So I was doing like 20 to 30 damage every time I was hitting them. I also, uh, for my saddle, I had one that did half blocking for physical and half blocking for magic. So the magic spells from those enemies that are annoying would not do as much damage to me, which was cool. Interesting. So it sounds like you had really good luck with this. (laughs) Yeah, but like, this is after three hours. Well, yeah, but I went three hours and I barely had any of that. I don't know. I I just, I've played a lot of roguelites, like a lot. So like, for me, this game, it's not enough. <laughs> there's all these systems, there's all these things going on, but it's not exciting. Like, for me, a thing that will make a roguelite exciting is you're always finding something new. You're always discovering something or you're, you know, just generally becoming more powerful, or you're figuring out a new synergy between different things. It's just like, I never felt that sense of discovery, because it's all just the same shit. This time, it just has a plus two. Or this is a slightly different card that I found. Or like, this potion's different. It's like, you know what I mean? But I do think if we were to play it all the way through, we'd see it like different things, because looking through the manual... I can't interpret this, but there were pictures of all these different talons. And some of them look crazy, like 
high-tech talons that you can get. So I think there is a chance. It's just you got to get to the later dungeons to get to that. That's fair. I just, I don't know. I just got kind of bored with it. And like, in my mind, as I'm playing it, right? First hour, I'm loving it. Second hour, still digging it. Into my third hour, I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of getting bored. Because I played three hours in one day. Because I was really like liking it a lot. And then I played maybe like 15 minutes today just to kind of refresh my memory before the podcast. And I just felt no desire to keep going. Interesting. Because I, I, I can kind of agree with you on that one, but I was kind of opposite on that where I matched you on like first two hours really into it. I will say I was less into it by the third hour, but I still was having fun every single time. Um, I did think it started repeating a lot. And it never changes enough. Like the most change you get is the music will change when you get so far. The level looks a little bit different when you get so far. Yeah. And they also introduce more enemies too. Yeah. And that's about it. It's just every so often you get a new set of enemies and then you got to figure out, oh, how powerful are these guys? How much can they hurt me? I just feel like if they upped kind of the RNG in a way that you had a better chance of finding good shit and that you didn't just have to combine items all the time hoping for the best you know mm-hmm. and yeah I get that I don't know I mean I don't really have much else to say we we really went as in-depth as possible with this game the other thing like I get where you're saying with some of those improvements I just wish we can compare the uh, equipment before equipment like the only way to see how strong a piece of equipment is is to put it on so annoying if it was too low, then you got to go back and put on the other one that you liked. I would have loved a comparison system, which I think most RPGs have. Yeah, and then sometimes when you're trying to test it out, it gets stuck on you because it's cursed. And then you're like, all right, well, I guess I'm fucked now. I had one word like my armor or the saddle, which was your armor, was like a negative one. <laughs> so I never saw that. My defense was shit for that run. <laughs> And I think that's the run I died on, so that makes sense. I also never died, by the way. Oh, okay, yeah. So the only reason I did die was because I had two of those green eyeballs. Or no. No, no, no. Oh, we didn't talk about this. <laughs> I geez, There's so much with this game. Uh, what's his name? Krell, which you find throughout the dungeons. He's like the giant guy in a robe. He acts as like the tutorial system. Like when you come into it, he's like, oh, here's this new item. Here's how to use it. And he also upgrades your inventory. Very nice. Very welcome. Yes. So whenever you do see him, then a, I think a somewhat strong enemy spawns into that same room you're in that you just saw him. And I was already at like low health-ish. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go use a potion once I'm done talking to him. This guy spawns and just one tap me and I died. I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> Did you also encounter the, uh, the random shops in between floors sometimes? Once, yeah. It was, it was one of those ones where I guess we didn't talk about this. Sometimes the buttons that can refill your stamina are booby-trapped. Yeah, it just it takes you down to the next floor. Yeah, or one of the buttons where the floor starts falling in pieces in the room you're in. And uh, so it was that one where uh, the floor started falling, but I'm like, oh, what's happening? And then I fell and died. Or not died, I fell into the shop and uh, saw that guy. And it's like an emergency, hey, do you need to buy something or sell something type situation? Yeah, I mean, it was welcome because I sold like a lot of the bullshit that I had, but like it, I don't know. There's never either that or the shop above. There was never anything that interesting there. It was just the normal stuff that you find. Like I thought there would be like cool weapons or something or anything, you know? 
or yeah, I was expecting the same thing. At least something better. Like, oh, here's this new thing you never heard of. Even if it was really expensive, like I, I thought maybe there would at least be something super expensive to work towards or something. Which brings me to one of the cards, the identify card. You use that to see what these other items are in your inventory. I did like how when you go to the shop and you go to sell items, everything gets revealed to you at that point. I did not notice that. That's that's a good idea. I just happened to stumble upon that. Uh, so if you go there, you go to sell, everything gets revealed and you can leave the menu and now you don't have to worry about it because now everything's revealed to you. So really, it kind of renders the identify card just pointless at that point. I think the identify card is just useful while in the dungeon if you needed to know what something was right away. Yeah, like if you're in a pinch and you need to figure out what this drink is, it'll help you. Yeah. But uh, the, another thing that I even forgot too was there's the storage system guy. I talked to him the first time, but then I never used it. It's 2,000 gold to store 10 items. That's one. When, when I saw that, I'm like, no. Yeah, that's so much money. When Atla can hold 10 items for free. <laughs> like, I'm just going to use Atla to hold these things. Yeah, like, why do you need all this stuff? Just sell it. Like, exactly. Unless it's like some super rare, like the, um, what's it called? The Ifrit summon. I can see like grabbing that and storing it. But then again, you're just going to use Adla. Use, let her hold it until you don't need to use it any, or until you're ready to use it, which I would assume for boss fights is when you use your summons. The only other improvement I could think of was an easier way to cast your spells. That's it. Yeah, you should have been able to just like equip them. Yeah, some quick key of like, I just push this button and he does the spell. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like there should have just been like, you don't really use the square button at all, do you? Not that I can recall, no. Oh wait, no, you do. So if you hold the square button, you can make your character look in a direction without actually moving in that direction. I never knew that. It, I, I think it's meant for like if you have traps on the ground and you don't want to walk up, you can look up and use your dig function. That makes sense. Regardless, they could have figured out a way to equip a spell and let you use it. Mm -hmm. Because I think you can equip uh, the rocks and you can kick those. Yeah, I did that a few times, but then I never really paid much attention to it. Yeah, so it would have been nice, kind of like um, Blood Omen, where you can say, oh, I want to equip a rock or I want to equip a spell. You can't have both. So if you wanted to equip spells, you can just have that quick key to use that will. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I don't really have any other improvements other than like what we've already talked about. Yeah, and I feel like there's just so much more that we could get into with all the individual curses and cards and... There's just so many things with this game. We we did the nice surface level of the game <laughs> to give you an idea of what we were doing. Yeah, we didn't even play the whole game. Like, imagine. I'm sure it gets crazier. They have to introduce new items as it goes on. I would hope so. But yeah, so let's get into some reviews before we get to our scores. Um, I had a really hard time finding reviews for this one. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I found like three or four period from the time. Um. And these are websites I don't know. So like, you know, it said they were from the time. But at the end of the day, this is just what I could find. So first we have a German magazine called Video Games. <laughs> they gave it a 75 out of 100. And here's what they said. On the whole, non-Japanese can also confidently attempt Chocobo's mystical dungeon. But what the individual items or their combinations do, for example, can only be found out through laborious experiments. That's pretty much what we said. <laughs> I mean, we played a translated version and we still, there's just nothing to tell you anything. 
So I think even if you spoke Japanese, the game doesn't give you anything. You just have to figure it out. That's actually a good point. I wonder if we could have played this game, the Japanese version. I wonder if we would have had the same exact experience. Well, I think we would have been a little more confused for sure. Just with the potions. Yeah, I mean, there also is a light tutorial. And like, you know, knowing what everything does, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know what each spell is until you use it. You know what I mean? True. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) I feel like while you could do it, that doesn't mean that you should. No, not at all. So we have RPG Fan, which I've never heard of. They gave it a 67 out of 100. And they said, CMD is what I like to call a mascot game. In other words, it's a subpar effort dressed up in a popular video game license, and its main draw is the mascot character it stars. I would recommend CMD only to those who have every action RPG out there and those who are such huge fans of Chocobos that they don't care about the quality of the game that they're getting with the license. This this person very clearly did not have fun with this game. <laughs> I also don't even know that I would call this necessarily a mascot game. I don't... Well, I can see what they're trying to say is it's kind of like with the whole uh, Crash Bandicoot to Crash Team Racing. It's like, oh, you're just using this character in the name so that you can sell a different game to people. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. I get it from that perspective. It's, I don't know. I mean, they wanted to make a different kind of game and they used this. I don't I don't see a problem with that. I don't either. Um, this doesn't feel like a cash grab. You know what I mean? Oh, not at all. And the fact that they're saying, like, if you don't care about the quality of the game, I didn't think the quality was that bad. No, not at all. It's a very well-made game. Yeah, levels are good, look good. The gameplay is smooth and no glitches, nothing bad. I think it was very smooth. Yeah. I think this, it just sound, it comes off as someone who is a huge uh, Final Fantasy fan and is just angry that they made this type of game. Yeah, they're like, fuck them for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, well, that brings us to our scores. Um, yeah, it brings us to this moment. Are you set on what you want to give it? <sighs> I kind of was until we got into the episode <laughs> and I feel like it changed a bit. All right, well, then I can go first. I think this is a well-made game for all the reasons we've said. You know, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to discover. There's a lot to find. While I think it could be a lot better, and you know, this is a series still going today, so I'm sure it does get a lot better. For their first attempt in this series, you know, I think they did a good job. A lot of ways it could be improved, like I said. Not a bad game in any way. I don't think anybody could give it a six or something and be correct in this. Honestly, I kind of had my range sitting. What I have written down is 6.5 to 7.5. That's kind of where I'm at. I think I'm going to sit right in the middle at a seven. I don't feel like this is an amazing game. It's not a masterpiece. It's not great, but it's not bad at all. I think it's good. I think a seven is perfect. Uh, all right. The way we talked about that, I was expecting you to go lower than that because just <laughs> the tone of how you were talking about all of it. Um, originally, I was sitting about an eight. Because those first hours are so fun and very intriguing and you want to keep going to see more. But like you said, once you get so far, you're just seeing the same stuff over and over and over again. And I kind of, through our conversation, I think it was about halfway through, I was like, you know what? I think this is more of a seven than an eight. And I would agree with you that it is a seven. So I'm so happy that you went with seven. (laughs) Yeah, I just feel like as you go, it kind of loses its magic a little bit, you know? It does. And I, I do think... I want to believe that once you get on to the next dungeons, 
it starts to improve a lot more. I would really hope that it does. But at the same time, I still feel like I was hours away from beating that dungeon still. Yes. Yeah, we don't, we don't know how far we were into it. Um, it comes. Would you keep playing this game? Probably not. Yeah. So right now it's sitting at number four, right under Cooler World and right above Tekken. You know, I've been looking at the list before I kind of figure out my score. And that's kind of where I was thinking it would go anyway. I think so. And just like with those games, I probably would never come back to this game. But it would be fun to pop in for maybe an hour, play a little bit, and then not play for a while after that and just pop in every so often to play. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of feel similarly that I did when I played Tekken. You know, it's like, for the first one, this is good but I'm hoping the sequels are better. And there is a sequel on the PlayStation, so we'll get there eventually. Yeah, and even trying to do research, I saw even newer versions of this game popping up, like you said, so I would love to see what those look like and how much they improved on the idea after their first attempt. Exactly. And, you know, on the topic of, you know, would you go back to this, I don't think we've played a game yet where I have felt that urge to like, because, you know, for me, when I'm playing a game, as you're getting into it, you're like, man, I don't want to do anything else but play this. I, I need to finish this. And I have, not, I have not felt that yet this whole series. I would say the closest I got was Blood Omen, number one for us. That's probably why. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a strong urge to want to finish it, but it is an urge to want to keep seeing what the game has to offer. At some point, it's not like I need to jump on this now to keep playing. I feel that, but at the same time, like, I want to play Blood Omen, but I want to play the PC version, not the PlayStation version. And I I don't want to replay all of the stuff I did to get back to where I was on PlayStation, you know? <laughs> but it could you could get there even faster because of all the slowdowns that you experienced. That's very true. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this, please remember to like and subscribe, as well as give us a rating on podcast services. We'll see you next week.